let's start please um okay good evening everyone welcome to episode 30 uh 34 episode 44 of the racing line podcast here with harry joey how was your weekend boys good you know what i just realized yeah you always say good evening but that's only because we record at night but people are maybe listening to it during the day very true very true we don't live stream but i'll i'll keep doing it as my body clock (laughs) dictates um anyway guys some interesting racing this weekend so tonight we'll be talking about the formula one race that took place last night um, at circuit paul ricard um, in france and then we'll have a little bit of a chat also about the indycar uh, weekend of racing at iowa uh, and see where that leads us and what where that leaves the the championship particularly as it pertains to willpower um and even scotty mclaughlin with his um, performance this morning which was which was pretty good as well so we'll jump straight into it boys and if you haven't watched the race um and you want to do so please quickly get on there now uh and watch the race but we'll tell you the just the top three which was uh, max verstappen finishing in first and then a mercedes um, double podium finish with Hamilton finishing in second, George Russell finishing third, uh, and the surprise of the weekend was Charles Leclerc crashing out of the lead halfway through the race. Um, and the boys will get into that um, very shortly. Um, but I wouldn't say it was the most um, scintillating race from a. I was actually going to use that exact word. Yeah, from an overtakes. Twin um, intuition. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, there you go, mate. That's it. Uh, I wouldn't say it was the most engaging or scintillating race from a like an overtaking and passing standpoint, but for the majority of the race, due to um, circumstances, this tyres, due to circumstances with the current heat wave being experienced in Europe right now, due to circumstances, the stupid decisions made by teams and their strategy as well, the race remained um, intriguing for the whole way throughout. Um, and it actually was quite an enjoyable watch uh, race to watch, and I didn't feel like um, at any time I was kind of getting bored by the monotony of 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 the race. So um, I don't know who wants to start out of you two, but let's kick it off. Kick it off. So I thought the start of the race was actually pretty interesting. Um, it was a it was a, a relatively decent sort of cat and mouse between uh, Verstappen and Leclerc. Mm. Um, and I was a little bit surprised of sort of how comfortably Leclerc sort of evaded Max's onslaught at the start of the race. Um, and then but it, they it, neither of them ever broke away. I think Max was comfortable to sort of sit his second and a half off Leclerc and they just sort of broke away from everyone else. Um, the, I, the, I think what surprised me the most was how competitive the Mercedes were relative to Checo and Science when they um sort of all grouped up together, and even though we saw they didn't really have the qualifying pace that they expected, um their race pace was, it was relatively decent, uh, and then so seeing them sort of dice with 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 Perez throughout the race I thought was good signs. I mean it's 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 it still baffles me that they're still so close to to the Ferrari drivers in the standings, like considering how. Um, it's it's like it's been the weakness that that car has had all season. Yeah, you know, what it's, I mean? it's been an exercise in damage limitation for them all year, and you can and you can see just how far it's taken them with, you know, as a juxtaposed to Ferrari and their 
But imagine, imagine if they come second in the constructors' championship this year, which isn't even, which is not even close to being out of the realm of possibility yet. That is, that is a, that is something that could definitely happen. Mm. Um, you, like, uh, that could, you, that would be a, an amazing achievement considering where they have been for the sort of pace-wise for the whole yeah. season. Uh, like the point that you make about um, Mercedes is like obviously improvement over the course of the season is definitely. Um, pronounced. I think one thing that has to be taken into consideration is at the start of the year, the Ferrari and the Red Bull seemed to be able to kind of get past that car in fifth gear almost. Like it wasn't even like they were at full beans and it was and it was already that clear that they were kind of getting past. Whereas we saw George Russell being able to hold up um, science for a long time. I think I think Perez probably wasn't the reference that we need to look at in relation to the pace between um, Ferrari, uh, Mercedes and Red Bull, because I think he was struggling all weekend. Yeah, he did have a good weekend, did he? Yeah. I mean, when we saw when we saw um, Verstappen's pace with relation to Hamilton, which is probably a much fairer uh, a value, like, comparison between the two, you know, while Mercedes has definitely made a step, um, it was very comfortable for for Perez and I think also um, for, for Verstappen, but I think also with the, um, uh, the Carlos Saints on George Russell incident, it was five laps of of defending, but even still once Science did get past, I mean... He was on the softer tyre though, so that's why I expected it to happen a lot yeah, quicker. Yeah, he, he was, but also just we saw it all, all race with uh, like Verstappen behind Leclerc and with Norris behind Alonso and then also with Saints behind... Um, Russell that just due to the nature of the track, due to the nature of the temperatures that were there, that sitting behind um, or sitting in the wake of another card this weekend wasn't really that conducive or that, you know, useful um, as makes sense. But I think, yeah, it was, it's, there's definitely an improvement. They've, def, they've pulled themselves away from the midfield um, like quite dramatically. Um, and they're kind of still in no man's land, but they're definitely in a position now where, if a team I don't does think make in a no mistake, man's land. Well, I think they're, are, they're relative. They're closer to Ferrari than Ferrari would want. Yeah, well, that's well. The point I'm trying to make is points if, wise. Yeah, points wise, I don't think performance wise. But if it's if they if a team does make a mistake, like Leclerc putting putting it into the fence, or Ferrari making a a decision that is completely. Um, All right. Let's 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 go there then crazy then they're, the t- they're going to be able to capitalize and they and they were able to do that today uh, this weekend how cra- how crazy is it that we are halfway through the season now and we are seeing sort of amateur hour not just from ferrari drivers because that was definitely a mistake on leclerc but also on still this this these strategy calls that every it's like every week even this week the um commentators actually um raised the point and they said i don't know what these strategists have been doing i think he said i don't know what these strategists are doing but this is the question the models that they use like whether they're using some kind it's of not data. even a model it's, it's it's common sense yeah i just don't know why ferrari always have like they they're asking their drivers and then you got carlos telling them no that's stupid what are we why are we doing that for let's mm. do this instead it's like that guy has so much to think about in the car but he was making the right decisions when you were listening to the radio. But he does it every week consistently. Like his yeah. race engineer needs to kick up the ass. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because yeah. it happens I'm every bloody why week. They why did they pit? They had the pace to, to, to get the They would have finished second. third. They would have they finished easily finished. They had the yeah. pace to easily gap it. Even if the safety car, they would have gapped it after the safety car left. But, I don't understand the strategy yeah. call with, with taking your penalty and taking the um losing the track position during the and it wasn't like if they did it in the in in the thirties early thirties well, mid thirties well, maybe it was initially raised uh, I think on with twenty one laps to go and then at that time I mean I'll say this Paul Deresta's commentary this weekend was awesome it was great having him <laughs> mediums like was, yeah but it, it was great <laughs> I think it was like he's he's quite a um. He's a he's a new voice, obviously, and I and I'm not saying anything about Martin Bundle because I think he's awesome as well. But it was, he was giving some really good um, modern insight. Yeah, modern insight, and he's he growing kind of, on me. Yeah, he made the point with 21 laps to go, saying, "Well, they've got to make the decision now because they're going to get to the point where they're going to run out of time." And it ended up being like 20 or 20, uh, 38 seconds that they needed to catch up in the last 10 laps. Whereas if they make that decision um, 10 laps, laps before or 15 laps before then they definitely do have enough time to for that push um and i think science definitely like over the course of the weekend it was quite strong all weekend in the qualifying three run he sacrificed his lap uh, obviously to give leclerc the toe but he he was definitely a bright spot up till that point and he was making you know he was doing everything that he needed to do um to to maximize his result um and i I don't know. I was, if you saw my race prediction, I had this theory in my head that we, by starting on the hard, he would get a safety car and he would kind of be in an ideal position by the end of the race. And I kind of thought when I saw, um, I think it might have been Guan Yu Zhou go off the track and they ended up just doing a virtual safety car in head, uh, uh, instead that it was going to be my time to shine. But um, <laughs> but yeah, sorry, from a Ferrari point of view, absolutely bone-handed boneheaded i've got a theory and it's and it's this um i think what we're seeing and we can use mercedes and um ferrari as the two comparative um, examples is like the difference between and i don't know if this is going to be politically correct but germans traditionally zero emotion all about clockwork all about efficiency all about precision there's nothing emotional there's nothing like rash or anxious about decisions that are made and it's evident through the way that they operate as a business it's evident through their leadership from the head down with toto wolf it's all um about maximizing efficiency and maximizing output and getting rid of any anxieties that might weigh into decisions and uh, with like Ferrari, and it's something historical. I mean, you put up the video about um, Nicky Lauda and James Hunt that Josh Revit or Revel Revel, made this yeah. week. Yeah, and even back, like I was watching the video last night, even back as far as the 70s, they were still making bonehead, boneheaded decisions uh, when it came to race strategies. So I don't know if it's like an Italian, like emotional thing, and then, you know, it's getting to crunch time and they kind of start... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like getting their hands moving around, like know, exactly tossing the dough around, and they kind of feel like they need to do something, but there isn't the clinical, methodical clockwork kind of nature that um that we see do you, from do you think other companies. That the, that the, do you think now the championship is done? Yeah, that killed it. 
Well, we've talked about match fitness all year mm. and how yeah. Red Bull is much more match fit than Ferrari. We're yeah. at race 12. It's not even close though, Harry. At race 12, we should be seeing an improvement in their race strategy because it's the same every week. Like, all right, if you make one or two mistakes here and there, but it's every week consistently making the same bullshit mistakes. They had they had the trifecta this week as well. They had the penalty was caused by the team releasing the car in the way of mm. another car, and then we oh had my God, and and then we had Leclerc's little mishap, which I mean, it wasn't a little mishap. No, it wasn't. But like, uh, at least he owned it. I'll give him that. Yeah, he owned, he, it. He owned it, and but he he really had to. Mm. Um, I mean, I think I don't know if the pressure. Got, it's weird though. He, I saw something today. He has dropped 78 points from the lead of races this year. Yeah, and yeah. he's like 75 points behind. So, yeah. like, you capitalize, not even win those races, but you, you finish top two, like, on par mm. to where you're looking to be. And, and and there's five points probably within this championship. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, to think that, and to think that um, the, the drop points from Verstappen have been from engine blow ups. So, the, the, the gap in the championship could still be 50 points larger than it is. Yeah. Well, not 50, but at least, you know, it could be bigger. could be 100 um, points. Um, which is which is crazy. But, I mean, one thing that I did notice before the crash that uh, was in- interesting was that uh, Ferrari, when Verstappen was kind of closing in on Leclerc for those couple of laps, um, did not look stable at all, particularly going into the chicane on the back straight. Um, it looked really understeery. It was really like when they had the onboard from the Red Bull, that Red uh, that Ferrari was really fidgety through the corners. So, um, so that was it, a weird thing though, because that car was meant to be running the high downforce package. So they were trying to mm, maximize yeah, the that's corners. Right. Um, yeah, right. I, I don't know because that's the reason why Red Bull couldn't get past them because yeah, they were yeah, well, quick, they were quicker through those corners. I thought this was also a good point Paul Deresta made at the start of the race. He said, it's going to be interesting seeing how the tyres last on the Ferrari. If it's mm. running the high downforce package, it will probably be burning up its tyres through the corners a lot quicker than a car running a low downforce package. I mean, I don't know if that was the reason how, why Leclerc lost it through the through the bend. Um, interesting thing was I he mean, did the hard work. Like he had done... He'd, he'd kept yeah, he him had. behind for long enough to and he pitted. burn out the Red Bull tight to burn out the Red Bull's tires. So he had, they'd got the upper hand. I think the decision, their first stupid decision from Ferrari of the race, was actually not to pit Leclerc the lap after. Yeah. Um, and that obviously gave him pressure to number one, keep up his pace with an inferior set of tires. And I mean. I have yeah, no problem. I, I have no problem was... with that decision because I think if if they had a if they were running to a number and they had a plan if they got to to lead to get to the end of the race as quick as possible, that's one thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah they I'm were running. Now, to, they, yeah. were, they were running to a number, but they were two tenths off that number every lap based on the radio message that went. Yeah, they um, kept him out the... longer. They kept him out longer because he was the pit window wasn't quite the twenty eight seconds or whatever yeah. it needed to be. It was just under, so they were trying okay. to push that. They were trying to yeah, push yeah. that that time to so he came out in front of Max, but he was just yeah. under. Well, I have no intention of defending Ferrari because then, from what I saw at the end of the race, I mean, well, that's the that's the most. I think we've discussed it a, a bit already, but any way you look at it, it makes no sense. You know what I mean? Like, so you, you know, you have the five second penalty. You know you have to traverse the pit lane, 
you've just passed the car that is going to hold you up. Like if he was if he was stuck behind the Red Bull and the and the um and the Mercedes, mm. maybe maybe try and hope for a uh, hope for a um safety car. But he had yeah. just passed him, and you the the dumb things. Well, you heard him while they were dog fighting. You heard the radio saying pit like at the last minute. Yeah, and you're like, dude, like, let him why race. are you doing it in the middle of in the middle of a dog fight? And then, so you do all the hard work, you get the clear track, and then you decide to pit. <laughs> like your tires were by far the best out of the three. And That's then the most take, Ferrari thing to do yeah. too. But also take into consideration the fact that it's self once he got once he got past them, those two dog fought, dog fought for the rest of the race, so they were taking time off each other. Out. I mean, there was there was probably some argument to be made that there was a chance he could catch Hamilton, who was four and a half seconds up the road, and I don't think that would there have is. been too there far-fetched really to think. Uh, I mean, he had that the he five would have made up that was always going to stop slowing oh, down. I'm not anyway. saying I'm not saying that he would have beat him in the final reckoning, but I think mm. there was a very real chance that he would have passed him on the road. Um, Do you so, think that? I mean, the, the thing is, I think Ferrari showed a lot of faith in saints at the start of the year while he found his feet yeah but now he's, i think he's, he's really he's, the, he's, he's really he's, found his feet yeah he actually looks at the moment like the more stable driver i think i don't know I if it's because there's no pressure charles is quicker yeah but he's more inconsistent he's, yeah. yeah this was the i was thinking about this also um today because i thought it would probably be a good thing to talk about but i think if we were to look at his career at mclaren as well if you were to say uh, Science or Norris, who on their day probably had a higher higher ceiling, I would probably say Norris. But over the course of a championship, who was going to manage the like the um, valleys and peaks more effectively? I would say Science, and we saw that. We saw over the course of a season, Norris had more you know uh, headlining moments, but by the end of the championship, they were very close, and Science was ahead. And I think what we're points. seeing now, yeah, and what we're seeing now, particularly at Ferrari, yeah, it took him a little bit of time to find his feet. I think he was also trying to prove a point um, at the start of the year that he had what it took to be the number one driver. But what we're seeing now is that he's got the, number one, he's got the confidence in the team. He's got the confidence in the fact that he's got a two-year contract. And we're just seeing him, like he's not, on his day, and we've seen it now, he he can win a race um, when everything goes his way. But when it doesn't, I mean, even going from last to fifth in as quick a time as he did, the man's got talent, and he's and he's being able to minimise those bad days. And we look at his teammate who has more talent, who's probably got a little bit more raw pace. But the mistakes that he's made at Imola, um, where was the second one at? This Spain? was his second, I think. This was his third. No, I'm he's had sure. three. Yeah. He's had, or I don't know if the other one was a mistake, but he's lost out when he was in the lead. It might have been a. I don't want to blame him for the car failures, yeah. failures because that's something that he can't really help. Well, this is two. This is uh, fifty points. This is a lost. bad one. This is a bad this one. Fifty points lost in the championship. Maybe not fifty because he ended yeah. up finishing in Imola. Regardless, though, they're still significant points. Let's say thirty points. Lost in the championship, pure and from a leading position, purely on his own. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to win like that. The other thing that maybe it's it's not relevant because he's been 
in the game for so long now, particularly at Ferrari. But this is like the first real chance that we've seen Leclerc um, have like a season where he's expected to win a championship. A couple of years ago when Ferrari had the oil burn <laughs> conspiracy, he had... With Vettel. Yeah, yeah, he had fleeting moments of uh, excellence, but it wasn't like the same pressure of mounting a championship yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that argument either because Max has only had one real chance of winning a championship and he did it. You yeah, know what I mean? I'm saying that Max has been... Even the Red like Bull was a better car yeah, earlier. Yeah. But also we've seen Max in the Red Bull... Um, screw it you know what i mean like he has made mistakes he's obviously still very young but in his early career at red bull we've seen him make a number of mistakes um like at monaco for example i think it was 2018 you know primed to take the pole puts it in the wall like there has there has been mistakes in pressurized positions from um verstappen as well even when you look at the incident in in, in uh monza well his nickname was crash Stappen. yeah so i think i think what we're probably seeing is a new experience for Leclerc this year, mm. heightened level of expectation, heightened level of pressure on him. Um, and he's pushing and he's pushing hard and he's probably pushing too hard and he hasn't had to do that before. Mm. Um, and he's learning. Yeah, I think I think it'll be better for it next year if the car is as competitive. Mm, as it is now. I, yeah, I think I next think... year's going to be too late at the pace Mercedes is now seeming to be making mm. ground. No. Three-way fight, I, mate. You I, never I, know. I, I, I honestly think if Mercedes get not even to Ferrari's level, just close enough, I feel like I'm impressed, man. Even even Lewis, like the last yeah. two yeah. races, he has definitely found the form that we're critical of at the start of the year. He's my, he was my driver of the day yesterday. He really well, like his start was phenomenal. Yeah, awesome start. I mean, now that he's he's, I think he's beaten uh, George in qualifying the last two or three. So he's yep. putting himself in the position now to be sort of slightly closer to the front. Yep. Um, he didn't have any, like, have to deal with any dog fighting yesterday. And then um, with with the retirement of, oh, not the crash of Leclerc, he, 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 he was a comfortable second. But it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like, it wasn't at a, a pace that looked um, like that the car was, was, really bad like you can tell that that car definitely is a lot better than what it was say three races ago four races yeah. ago yeah 100 and even though it's not at the level that um with all due respect Ferrari it probably just Mabula, needs an engine now it probably just not, needs not, a few more but beans. not even that like you can see that they are they're 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 working they're, they've totally sort of redesigned that car and they're redesigning it on the fly but every time they bring an update it gets a little bit closer and a little little bit closer yeah. Um, and even like you saw with, with with George, yeah, it's slower than the, the other cars. But if they get in front, they can be a handful and waste yeah. a lot of time for the for the guys trying to come through the pack. They're kind you of know? like they're kind of like McLaren last year or the year before last when they were ju- they were like a second and a half off the pace, but they were fast enough that if a Mercedes was behind them, they could keep them behind them, and that's and they don't make it. mistakes. Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, I think we could probably talk about George a bit this week. He, he's kind of um, still Dude, impressing. How he does good complain was his, a lot, but how good was I'll his? Tell you that. How good was his dummy at the end of the race? That yeah, little fake. I liked that. Well, I liked how he that the whole strategy of backing really off so smart. much. FIA came out. There was some some control 
thing with Perez's car. That's why he was so slow. So something oh, yeah? happened there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it wasn't that he didn't sell him a dummy. No, it wasn't Perez oh. being. Um, do you know what I do like, but about Russell now, I think that him having that blue helmet and blue number is it's a bit more like aesthetically pleasing as well. Compared to so, what? Compared to when it was just black. Oh, red and black. Might have given him a tenth or two. Um, but he's, he's been, been worse impressive. since he's had the blue number and the blue helmet. You're really yeah, on I mean. these hot takes lately, mate. <laughs> he's an like, oracle. To be honest with you, Mercedes, though, all jokes aside, Mercedes have maximized, they pretty much maximized every race this season. And and, and it's they're, they're, they're slowly kind of percolating and that, you know, hopefully by the season's end, they'll, they'll be in a position where they're a little bit more competitive to give either of them the chance. But I, what I did like also was... Did you guys um, notice how close my top five was to reality? No. Compared to you guys? You, you, did, call a, you did call a clerk. But can, can I say with um, Mercedes, their car and engine isn't as quick as the other two, but it doesn't break. So when the other two do break, they're there to collect the points. And yeah. I don't know. That's how they've managed to stay so close to Ferrari because Ferrari that's just keeps on breaking. Yeah, Ferrari just keeps breaking. And we keep and we keep making statements. We saw like another. Ferrari we saw another their Alpha break together, as well. They'll get their act together. But thing, the reality is, there's there's got to be a bit of soul searching at Maranello over the winter break. Um, because they've they've lost the championship for themselves at this stage, and obviously they're in a position now where their constructors is pretty. I would say it's out of reach if if Red Bull keep performing at the level that they're at. Um, but yeah, Ferrari need to be doing one twos for the rest of the year, just to have a sniff. But just to have a sniff at both <laughs> championships, it's like it's from where we from how we thought this season was going to go, and. Like for moments in races, you would think that this championship was was neck and neck, and it really should be. I would love to see who's led the most laps as well, because like the the long and short of it is is that the Ferrari car, as good as we we hype it up to be, and and probably as good as it is on most days, there there is a like the the car the package itself is so brittle. And then we see it in the Alfa Romeos as well, and even the um, the Haases. You can't trust that your engine. It's sort of like a a game of Russian roulette of whose engine breaks on any given day. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. then I even well, think- I think what they've done this season because there was obviously they were a ways off last year. Do you reckon they're just running it that much harder? I just think that they were in a position the where Ferrari. they had nothing to lose, mm. so they literally they went they erred on the side of crossing the line and being a little bit risky to be closer to the to the front. Like obviously, they're running the engine a little bit oh, on the hotter side, not, not physically on the hotter side, but kind of a little bit closer to the to the line, Red obviously. Line. Yeah, just to make as much um, power, just gain as they could based on their relative lackluster nature last year. And they're at a point where they, I don't think they expected to be as competitive as they were to start the season. And the car probably isn't as refined. It's fast because they've pushed it that far, but it's not as refined as it needs to be, particularly up against the likes of 
Red Bull who have had those years of blowing up engines and the Hondas have Honda has had the years of tweaking and refining and going through those reliability issues in the you know three seasons before their championship winning run they had and, it this and, year though but you, you, we saw the Honda blowing up at the start of this year and yeah, I, but, I feel like they've turned it down just to get the reliability yeah, out of it but Joe they very well might have but they might have turned it up to begin with to run with Ferrari and they've realized that Ferrari is quick but it doesn't have le- like doesn't have any longevity see that that makes me think Merck's done the opposite right because it's not braking but it's not fast it's not fast so it makes me think that until they figure out why they can't run it at a higher level Mm -hmm. they've turned it down a bit and that's why everyone in a Merck engine is struggling can I interject to begin the the year Merck was blowing up as well the problem with them I think I think the Merck engine isn't that bad if you look at the teams who are running Merck engines it's getting better the Williams team their car it was shocking at the start of the year in terms of design. Um, I was watching a really interesting video this week about Alfa Romeo, and the whole premise was how can you expect a team that has only ever copied other teams' designs to then be able to build their design no their own car design. functionally, yeah. you know, after ne- not having to do it for a couple of years? Like Sauber as a team. Yeah. So I thought that was a very interesting sort of um, take. And then we've seen for the probably the first time in a long time, Mercedes have designed a car that fundamentally didn't work. So, I mean, I, don't, I think we say the Merck engine, but I think just in, in general, the, the three teams running Merck engines have designed poor actual, actual cars, like all at, in, at the same time. Um, I mean, could be plausible. Even, even, even the, um, the McLaren. Has yeah. got fundamental design issues that, that that don't let it perform at certain tracks. I mean, none, none of the teams have a car that can cons- even consistently run. Say, like the Alpine is always sixth to eighth, like every race. You know, what I mean, well, no, none of them teams really have that. Well, this is probably a good segue then into the next thing I wanted to talk about, and it was some honourable mentions and two drivers. <laughs> nah, two drivers that stood out. Oh, he got a point, so we'll give him that. He's had three one-point finishes this year. Good man. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's not bad for the car he's driving though. He he beat for the he, ambitions he did of beat the Vettel. team. He beat yeah. Vettel. Yeah. Fair just. Enough. Yeah, but, but did you see? Just... Did you see that bloody thing yeah, at the, on the last that, 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 that was I some did. dog fight and a half. Go Seb. Um, yeah, I was hoping Seb won too. Like, yeah. this, this, I wasn't. Even if he turned him, I would have been happy. Um, but my two honourable, my two honourable mentions, my two, um, he's become woke as a Sebi. Yeah, save the bees. Should just shut up. Just keep. He wants to save the bees. He wants to save the planet. People that want to turn their helmets uh, into billboards. eh? Just, just. I'm not getting into that today. We've got other things to talk about. Um, But my two honourable mentions from the race were um, number one, Nando. Got ahead Lando of or Nando. Nando, Fernando. Yeah. Got ahead of um, everyone. Got ahead of everyone. Maximised the output of that car based on their qualifying pace. Shouldn't have been there. And then his absolute cool as a cucumber response, telling his um, engineer, "Yes, I want them behind me. I want them close. I want them to cook up their tyres." <laughs> I mean, it just. He's my favourite. <laughs> After speaks, DR, he is my favourite. It speaks volumes about the man. Yeah. And I think my other honourable mention, even though he didn't get any points this weekend, was um, 
and we've spoken about him before, was um, Alex Albon. Um, Clearly outperforming yeah. his teammate. Just, just putting in solid performances. The car's obviously better than it has been in the past. It's definitely not in a position to, on like a good day, a dry day, battle for the points. But he's he's putting in a good fight, and for him to be in tenth, eleventh, and then eventually drop to thirteenth at the end. But for him to be there or thereabouts consistently every weekend. The thing um, is, well, he's, he, he, he's the gap awesome. between him and the cars ahead of him is is, is shrinking yeah. drastically. Well, as well, that's exactly right. He is he's he's not by himself. He's he's in a pack. Yeah, he's racing in a pack, and I think this year is going to do him a world of confidence. Do you think he's? I mean, do you think he'll stay at Williams? I think there's no real place for him to go anyway. Um, do well, you think he'll be staying at Williams by the end by, for next year? Yeah, because I don't think AlphaTauri will change their lineup. No, I don't think so. I don't either. think he'll go back to AlphaTauri. He's, he's not going to Red Bull driver, but he's not going to Red Bull. You know what? As well, though, I don't think there would there would be much reason for him to change because only the only teams he would probably I, I can't see any team he could go to. Do we just throw a spanner in the works? No, I wanted to. I wanted to discuss. But can I just make him. a spanner? No. Can I just, yeah, can I just throw me. a spanner? Tell us. Well, that. I was reading. I was reading an article today with Toto talking what about, about Piastri. No, Toto talking about um, Hamilton, how well he's doing this year, but also the fact that they have had retirement talks this year for the first time. Mm. Um, which he's not retiring. No, I don't think he. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he did or if he didn't. Um, it's probably going to depend on the car they have next year and whether the numbers um, are better than they are this year. But if he was to have another year at Williams and maximise his performance there. And George was in a position where he kind of became the alpha, then it wouldn't surprise me to see them kind of go Rosberg and bring in kind of a solid number two that on on a good day could get a win, but wasn't going to challenge the, the lead driver being Russell. Like I could see that happening if he was showing the maturity and the development that he has even just after this half season, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they would take Albon. I think they'd take someone like Lando Debris. before they took Albon. Um, Problem with Lando is that he always signs like multiple year extensions early in like yeah, his but contract. That I'm sure his contract, like Daniel's, has clauses in it where he can break it early. Mm. But what did you think of Daniel this weekend? Um, this I've noticed in all of his races recently, he's quick on the hard tire, but when he puts on a medium or a soft, he can't keep at the same pace. Yeah, and I don't know if it's the car, like he can't get the the heat cycle through the tire with that car, but on on the hard tires he's on par. But then when everyone's when everyone's a bit more grip limited. But then, when they're able to extract a bit more juice from it, he he doesn't. He's dropping off, but he well, it's he the same in qualifying. Yeah, and it was it was really weird. Like, it's it's freaking sad. But thirteen races this year, he's out qualified Lando twice, and then mm. like when you hear the comments commentators say, "Oh, he's done better this week. He was only one tenth off." Um, I'm like, shit. Like that's not. Yeah, but it. That's not the DR. Yeah, no, it's not, and. I'm hoping it's coming. He seems he he came out and said he's still not happy. Mm. 
Um, you know but, how far off? But you know he, what sorry. Mm-hmm. Do you know what his average um, qualifying time difference is this year to his teammate? Probably four tenths. Six tenths. I, I heard that this week, and I'm like, bloody hell. Yeah, I think that'll come down, hopefully. But, yeah, look, not performing as well as he should. I'm I'm DR's biggest fan, but he needs to pick it up quickly. But at the end of the day, he's in the car next year. They're not, nothing's going to change, so... Do you know what was it? You know what's good to see though, um, that Ocon was sniffing his rear end for twenty five laps. Yeah, and couldn't get literally and that within one point five tenths for the last quarter of the race, mm. and um, and he kept him behind him. And I think that I mean it's only fighting for a second point, and that's yeah. not a whole lot to write home about. But when you're racing for points between six and tenth, mm. and you're able to um, you know, keep that position and essentially break even with the, with Alpine this weekend, like on points. Um, you know, that was a bit, a bit of bit of stoicism there. I was I was happy to see that. That that's that what time. I mean. I think he is getting a handle on it. He's he's driving better, but that Alpine, and I think Andreas Seidel came out after the race today and said, in quality spec, the McLaren seems quicker mm. at a track like this. But in race pace, he, they just couldn't match it. Like Lando was dropping off rapidly off Fernando yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, so. I think it's to do with the um the actual fuel weight as well. I think they were saying that the um even if the Mercedes with full fuel load, I think the way that is dis- the the weight the car the way the car distributes its weight mm. um actually suits the car in full like as heavy. Mm. Um, whereas like some cars but when probably, everyone's heavy. Yeah, when it's running, when everyone's heavy, it's 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 it, it brings it much closer to the to the mm. grid. Um, what do you guys make of the Fernando Alonso to Alpine WEC uh, revelation that came out this week? It gives me it well, it tells me that Piastri is not racing for them next year. That's for sure. So I think he'll be racing for Williams. But it does tell you he's coming, and it tells me that he's going to be coming. I think or well, putting Fernando in the car in their um, endurance card the first year it comes out it's going to bring a lot of publicity to the team which they probably want um, and I think it will give Piastri a year to sort of get his teeth sort of or get his feet wet without having any pressure at all on him which will be um, you know it's beneficial to, for everyone involved really are we sold um, that um, what's his name will be out of the drive next year the TV yeah I don't think Williams need the money anymore. What 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 has he done? No, no, even I, I, since yeah, I agree. Like, and, and yes, his car only got updated this week to the new spec car, but still did nothing. What what has he done to even make you think he's competitive? Hmm. He he's made Q three once. Run. He's still the last. Yeah, he he got Q he got to Q three in the wet. Congrats, man. But in terms of race pace, he's was he last again? He didn't even finish today. He's last on track. He did out of the, no, he didn't. He didn't. He got he, he got he got wiped out by someone. This he week. was still running last on track. Him and, him and him and um, I think Magnuson had a had a bit of a collision, and it was half his fault, half Magnuson's oh, fault. No, it, was, give, it was it was Mike Mick Schumacher. Yeah, and Mick Schumacher, Schumacher on the outside was, of him. It was it was it was a bit of tit for tat, um, but like he just lost it in the mid corner, and then he, he like we we talk about the Canadians. And I would hate to have Canadian followers because we just shit on them all the time. We do have but, Canadian followers. But even 
Latifi's my favorite Canadian, by no, the way. Just... He, he might be your favorite, but he's not the better of the two. Because there, there are days that Stroll actually shows little bits of racecraft, sort of dog, sort of mentality of not letting people pass him. No, I think. Whereas no, I've never seen, I've, I've never seen the aggression. I've never seen aggression from Latifi. No. Ever, even think, even in know, his F, you know even in his F two days, do you know what was the he most was a telling, good racer, but never a great racer. Do you know what was the most telling indictment against Lance Stroll? The what? year of the tracing point, because the car, second. the car had potential, and even by like he got a few podiums. What he got two podiums, I think it was. But I'm even by, I'm not. I'm just saying. But even by the standards of Checo that year, he was able to get a win. Just, just seemed a lot more competitive. We're not measuring Checo to Stroll. I'm talking about between what we the, just some moments that we see from Stroll compared to moments that we we that we've never seen from Latifi. Yeah. You know what I mean? He doesn't belong in the sport. I don't. I. I, I don't think he. He's never given me a, a sort of a wow moment. I thought, you know what? That's actually a pretty decent, like something that I didn't expect him to achieve. Like Albon's been doing it all year. Just little moments of, oh yeah, that's that's like not. It's not a point, or it is a point, but it's 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 a good effort, and it's something that um, we we're not expecting every week. Whereas with Latifi, unfortunately, he, this is what his third year in the sport. And we've seen nothing. Question. And that's the long and short of it. Joe, is he top yeah. twenty driver in the world? Who? Latifi. Latifi. No, I don't think no. so. I think well, I think he shouldn't you, be there. I think if you you could put DeVries and he'd do the exact same job and probably better. DeVries did a good job. The interesting yeah. the interesting thing about um, the Latifi situation is that um, like Marcus Ericsson was like Latifi five years ago. Had a bit of money from Sweden, probably didn't deserve to stay in Formula One. In his defence, he was never in a car that had any real chance of doing anything, and we didn't see anything. The clerks banked him in the Sauber. Um, yeah, and well, and that's right. But now you look at him in IndyCar, and there's definitely yeah, but- some talent there. But I think maybe it's part of it is also like you've got to have like a level of drive and belief and will to make something from the opportunity and I don't know whether the difference, it's a, The thing with Latifi is that Latifi says the right things and it seems like he's a generally like nice guy. Huh? Can I oops you? No, because you're waffling. But like Chris D'Elia? Because I was Go. in the middle of a fucking... I didn't even want to swear, but I was in the middle... Oops. Cut that out. I was in the middle of like a point and then you just like... It's like I'm not even speaking. Anyway. Um, Hungry next know, week. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's going to be a great race because it's... You know what it did here, which is good? This year, passing is up 40% on last year. With DRS zones are up 40% longer as well. well passing is up 40% this year. They can follow, but... No, they didn't. So whether there's going to be overtakes into turn one, into turn three, maybe into turn, I think it's 13. Um, we'll wait and see, but great track. We've put it in our top ten. You can see that on our on our socials now as well. Hungaro ring. Um, 
I didn't I have it in my top 10, by the way. Just Oh, well, fair enough. I, did. <laughs> I love it. Um, DR loves it. He's won there. Let's see Good if point. you can um, give him a bit of fortune. Shifting across the ocean now to the United States, to the cornfields of Iowa. Can I just quickly? Yeah. I'm the biggest Formula One fan. You, we all know that. Yeah. I'm actually getting more excited at the moment watching Indy. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, man. Like, they were racing on ovals, and they always talk shit about oval racing, but... Mate, I, I was... Good. You good. You called me an elitist earlier this year. I did. Right? I was I always like... I do. I do. I was always like, how hard can it be to turn left four times? Did you do see you know how what sketchy I mean? it was getting yeah, off the, the second oh. turn? Now that I've watched it, I, I get it, right? Yeah. But I always thought, what a piss take. Like, they're just turning left. Yeah. Do you want well, to... That, if, that if track you wanna... is interesting because it's not actually banked that much. Yeah, that's right. Um, and because it's so flat, like, you, they are working the wheel really hard, on, especially on that track. Yeah. Um, if you want to, like, realize how difficult and how uh, not boring oval racing is, go look at... Um, like the crash of Robert Wickens and see what that did to an up-and-coming superstar of that sport. And you realize, freaking hell, this is not, this is like a, a men's race. But, you know, hey, you know uh, having said that, I had a point two pods ago and we are talking about Scott McLaughlin in IndyCar about how he was doing. And I never made that point. And you've just reminded me of it. When, when Robert Wickens came into IndyCar out of DTM, the Killing. pace, the pace that he, the, like, he's from his first race mm-hmm. running first for the whole race until the last lap when he got wiped out, and then every race afterwards. I don't think we've ever seen in any sport, like in any motorsport, a driver come in so quickly, and 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 really dominate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and, and that point makes no sense to anything that we're talking about. Although but, he did um, win two races two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. In TCR, which was awesome. Paralyzed man. Two race wins. Anyway, we're getting off topic. But IndyCar this week in the cornfields of Iowa for the Iowa. Do you think about this week and you were like, I want to mention this, the cornfields of I thought you were saying gonna say something like um Hawkeye country. I thought I thought Anth will say something like that, but you didn't know. It's actually cyclone country, Iowa. Um, and Hawkeye, anyway, Hawkeye country. Um and cornfield country, and that's where we'll end it. But there was two races this weekend, the Iowa 250 and the Iowa 300 race number. Well, you know, there was actually a few talking points. I don't know if we want to talk about like positions and stuff like that, but I'll tell you the few things that I noticed this weekend that were good t- talking points. Number one, Will Power is back in the... Eight points behind Ericsson yeah, at the moment. He's, he's, he has come on strong. He didn't win a race, but he came second in both races and he's come back on strong. We can talk about that a little bit. Um, Pato O'Ward, likewise, has was had a dominant weekend this weekend. Probably the most... Uh, Scotty McLaughlin, third on the Sunday. Another well, awesome result. third on the Saturday until this car broke yeah, as well. that's right. And, and then I think probably the most... Uh, and then I had two more points. Number one was um, Andretti, season done. Yeah, um, this weekend bad. was not strong for any of them. I think they're well and truly out of it now. But... Jimmy Johnson has struggled for the last year and a half in um, IndyCar 
you know, seven-time NASCAR champion, came to the ovals this weekend and was awesome. Spun out in race one and then managed to be in P1 at some point. He still finished fifth. Yeah. I mean, like, he was awesome. And it it just goes to show, like, I've He had a litany of awesome outside overtakes that no one was doing as well. Yeah. Just ballsy. And it probably makes sense because he's used to driving grip-limited cars over the marbles and keeping it off the wall. Um, So that it shouldn't really surprise us. But, like, I don't know. You see him in IndyCar and it kind of, sometimes it seems like a bit of a piss take because for the most part, he's a lap down by the end of the race. But it just goes to show that, like, in his, like, native environment, there's still, (laughs) like, seriously, there's still some significant talent there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, I, I don't think he's, I think he said he wanted to do maybe one more full season. But if he's able to put together a few, um, like, strong oval rounds, I think they've got a race at Phoenix again um, or Arizona, same place. Um, and if they're, if he's, like, it wouldn't surprise me to see him in, like, a Ed Carpenter kind of um, oval only um, program, um, you know, moving forward. Well, I think Jimmy really Johnson strong. has been doing the whole series because he wants to have a good crack of the, at the um, Indy 500. Indy 500. Yeah. Um, the, um, the one thing that really he has no pressure on his shoulders is that he's got nothing to prove. Yeah. And also he's coming, he's probably coming from the furthest sort of realm of motorsport that can, like he's, him coming in as a rookie was probably the most rookie of a lot of the mature drivers coming in, really. And, and I think and I think he's also in a position where people like, everyone's giving him credit for coming in so late trying to do it the right way as opposed yeah. to just saying, oh, screw it, I'm just going to do oval races because yeah. I don't want to make myself look like an idiot. Like, he has humbled himself. Um, There's something brave coming in and, mm-hmm. and, and putting yourself out there to be yeah. sort of stomped on by kids and you're the best like part of idiots. 45. Like, we've done nothing Yeah, we're just talking. Life. Well, I've never talked shit about him because I love Jimmy Johnson. He's my boy. It's a bit um, harsh. Well, <laughs> We've done nothing with our lives. Oh. No, no, but like, boy, he's like, he's a seven-time NASCAR champion. Like, he's mm. an absolute phenom. We started uh, the Racing Line podcast, mate. True, this is true. This is true. And we ticked over two hundred likes this week. Two fifty at the moment. Nearly two fifty. It was one eighty before I put the ad in. So some strong advertising and some money spent. <laughs> yeah, I've done it on. I've done it on Instagram. We're at about one fifty on Instagram. There we go. Like, so everything's going up. Jimmy Johnson's going up in the ovals. We're going up in the likes. So, what did you think? What did you think about um, willpower, like specifically? Because I thought Newgarden in the first race looked dominant, and even in the second race, till he spun, he yeah. still looked dominant. Yeah, but, but the ability of like not 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 taking the points in his position really hurt him, no matter how dominant he looked, mm. because power got two seconds. But realistically, close the gap to Ericsson because he finished ahead of him both times. In a moto weekend, it would have been a 2-2 finish for the first overall. Okay. True? Yeah. Do you think he'll see out the championship from here? Do you think he'll take it? He's in the best is, position too. Yeah. The interesting thing is, and I said it maybe four pods ago, I said I expect Ericsson to drop off. Mm. Now, he hasn't had a bad race. He looked really good this weekend as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, he's still doing a good job. I think 
I think it was pretty obvious to see how well all three of the Penske cars were going, that this was going to be a big weekend for them, particularly because they had two races to maximise the points and Will Power did. However, the other thing that we have seen with Power is that in qualifying, sometimes he's going to start out of position. And sometimes, and we saw it last week at Toronto, he's going to get away with a few dicey moves that one day might put him in the fence. So I think... give you the one, the one stat that from Willpower that sort of scares me still. Mm. Willpower has got 10 top 10 finishes this year, mm. right? Nine of those 10 have been top five finishes. Yeah. So he's finishing at the pointy end. Or not. Or not finishing at, at, yeah. at in the good chunk of points at all. Yeah. yeah. So, That's I mean... A, I didn't even know that, but that kind of validates he's got the point. most. He's got the most top 10s. He's also got the most top fives. Yep. But all these top tens come from the top five. And I yep. think Ericsson's got the second amount of top tens, yep. but they it's, it's a much broader spread. Yep. So realistically, like and 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 as it's much whole, as I love it's Will, the whole Will analogy has, of peaks and valleys. He's fallen apart at the end of seasons many times. Yeah, like this is not this is not a a, a one off. that thing it could that, happen. I mean, the, Dixon looked good this weekend, yeah. and Dixon is the king of sweeping in second half of the season. And well, getting the win in the double points this round. Is, this is the it. point. This is the point that I was going to make. We've still got a race at places like Road America, Sonoma, um, Laguna Seca, all races that traditionally are closer to the end of the IndyCar season. And if there was a team that always looks strong in those traditional road courses, Penske does, but Ganassi always looks strong whether it's Pelot last year, whether it's Dixon traditionally, and if Ericsson is able to finish there or thereabouts um, and kind of just minimise those valleys, so to speak, um, he's definitely got a team that can that can bring him the championship. And I think to his credit, to his credit, he hasn't been, he probably hasn't had, the, like you said, the top fives of power, but he's definitely scrapping and he's definitely, you know, no, you know between eighth and up, and that's something that's been surprising to me because I've kind of been expecting him and waiting for him to screw up or to make a mistake or to um, kind of lose his way over the course of this season. But if there's one thing that he has to be given credit for is that he's kind of keeping his head above the water and doing what he needs to do, number one, to be smart and not to put the car into the fence. But also there's still a race craft and there's still a uh, like a resoluteness there that is... Um, that's worth commending. If Will Power hypothetically wins this season, does yep. it cement him as really a great in the sport? Because he's got the Indy um, 500 win. I think win. here it is. Yeah, but he's only got one championship and one Indy 500. Yeah, I think or what is it, it does. Two championships? I think I think one. what it does is it takes him from like an Indy car great that we think of now to an Indy car great that we'll think of like Dario Franchetti. Yeah. Like. Or Scott Dixon, if and when he does retire, or you know, like Michael Andretti, someone who's won it more than once, who's a household name, and who will be remembered, you know, kind of long past his driving days, um, which is which is awesome for Australia. No, I, I think... still find it. Yeah, I was just gonna Sorry. say, I still find it crazy that he, he doesn't get much um, press over here still. Yeah. Well, the sport doesn't really get much press over here. Unless yeah, you're looking for it. You still kind of hear about, you know, other sports that aren't as big as some. You mm. still hear about Australian athletes 
overseas and you it's don't really hear about him. The problem with Will Power, not the problem, but he, just due to the nature of his story, he moved over to America when he was really young. He didn't do a whole lot of racing in Australia, so he's kind of like, mm. he's not like, off. yeah, he's, he's an Australian driver. He's definitely an Australian export, but because he didn't do a whole lot of racing here, obviously his junior career was here, but he mm. moved to America really young and has been there for two decades now. Yeah. Um, and IndyCar just doesn't have the traction that it really should or that it had in the past. It had more traction in the past and it's kind of building up to that now. But one thing that is very important to the championship, I think, was, and it would remiss be remiss not to talk about it at least a little bit. We've got Ericsson, Dixon, or we've got Ericsson, Power, Newgarden, Dixon, O'Ward, and Pelot in the top six of the championship. And I think we can probably draw a line underneath that top six now and say that's going to be what the the championship winner is going to come out of one of those positions because there's only 44 points between those top six drivers and we've got three of the huge teams ganassi penske and one from arrow smp um all going for the championship and i mean moving into the kind of the last quarter of the season i couldn't tell you exactly how many races are left i would i want to say maybe five um i'll tell you actually right now we've only got yeah we've got five races left um so we've got indianapolis we've got nashville we're racing at phoenix we're racing at portland we're racing at laguna Seca. so it definitely we're in the final third of the season a little bit less than a third now and 40 points um between the top six so as a kind of spectacle as a storyline as a kind of reason to keep people interested in this sport i mean what other indictment do we need to give to them you know i mean if you have kind of got interested in indycar this season because of some of these conversations we've had then you're going to love the end of the season and if you haven't then I don't know how to sell it anymore to you. Then <laughs> go watch. I think, I think especially the road, the road circuits especially. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is hard to sell an oval if you've never watched an oval yeah. because it can seem like just a lot of, you know, just Fair driving way. around in a circle, no matter how hard you know it, or you can see it is. Mm. Yeah. But like we've got, um, especially Laguna Seca and Portland is a, is a, is a pretty good, um, well, circuit as well even nashville um, last year was um nashville's a street awesome, circuit isn't it but it was awesome the, the race there last year was awesome it had these two really long straights and it was actually a, it was a good race i enjoyed that race quite a lot oh, um just remind me before we finish to ask you one more question as well it's, right. i find about it indycar no it's not about indycar oh all right no worries um but yeah indycar guys get on board please um there was one more to Oh, this is the one for IndyCar. We have got, right now, three drivers in IndyCar, all who have some level of uh, chatter about movement to Formula One. Now, realistically, based who, on... Award, Herter. We've got Award, we've got um, Pelot, and we've got... Um, Herter. Herter. Two of them, you would say, are slightly bigger commodities in O in O Ward and in 
Palo and they've probably had a little bit more consistency over the last two years. I mean, Herder has definitely had the race wins, but he's also had it's probably maybe in the least on the car consistent as well. team. Yeah, as he's well. in the least consistent team. I'll give him that. But amongst the three of them, boys, in an ideal world, they make it in Formula One. I think they have Herder, what it takes. I think they all could. I mean, I think they all could should. I think they're all good enough to get a chance. Um, I mean, I, I love Herder, and I think um, if it's it's easy to forget how well how he did is. when he when he came onto the scene. Yeah. Um, and I think that even like it's easy to forget year, how young he is still. Yeah, he's like what twenty one. Um, and and yeah, I think that there's definitely a, this year the Andretti cars are not up to snuff. Um, that they were maybe two, three years ago when he came into the scene. Um, but I think it is massive for Formula One to get a young Amer- a young American on the grid if they're going to have three races there next year. Mm. Um, and I don't th- think we've seen a young American sort of hit the ground running like him. Like even Newgarden, when Newgarden um, started in IndyCar, he was a phenom, but he never sort of. He was. He like, didn't he, reach the he heights a, he a, until he, he went a, to he, Penske. He had a gradual really. progression. Like he yeah. was, he was a good driver at Ed Carpenter Racing for a few years, yeah. um, and then he he really made a good championship push with Ed Carpenter before moving to Penske and then ultimately winning the championship. But um, the way Herder sort of hit the ground running was like nothing I've seen out of any rookie in the sport. So I would, I would, I think a out pretty of the small three, team as well. I think out of, time. yeah, he wasn't the even Stein in the Brenner proper team. Yeah. So I really think out of all three of them, I'd like to see him um, get the chance first. The only other thought that came to mind as well is this. Sergio Perez signed for two years at the end of next year. Might be a little bit long in the tooth. There's going to be a lot of Mexican money from Chiaro and who's the other one that sponsors both of them. Telcel, mm. does that open a door potentially for O'Ward no. to move into Formula One? I you think, would have to go through for McLaren. Yeah, I think the, there's only a couple of teams. I think McLaren's one of them. Um, I think if a team like Red Bull or Mercedes or anyone like that brings someone over from IndyCar, it would be surprising. In, it invalidates their junior program. Mm. What about Haas? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like Haas should bring in. Haas would be smart to bring in Herder because they're a US team mm. with a US driver and they're going to have three races next year to sort of parade mm. their US-ness with a new US driver. Who like, do they get rid of? But Mick's not going Magnuson, anywhere. easily. Okay. Magnuson isn't. Magnuson's older. And but I think Magnuson's also probably got enough to find us another seat, whether it's Williams or whether it's... Um, well, the long and short of it is... is Alfa Romeo. Haas need to find some sponsors also. Yeah. And if they're going to have three races in the US next year, I am sure they would be, um, if you look at... They want to um, be more the, than sponsoring themselves. Yeah, you know what I mean? So if you can market your US in this with a young US driver who has, who has actually got wins behind him in your open wheel and more than just like one, like he's shown consistency... Four or five wins. Yeah, over a, over a long period of time or a long enough period of time, like um, it makes sense. Um, and and that's nothing against 
O'Ward, because I think O'Ward is probably just as good as Herder. I just think it makes more sense. And I can see a clearer path for Herder getting the, getting there than um, than the other two. Yeah, the thing we, that helps... Sorry, go, in, go um, I was, H. I was just going to say, do we think Andretti gets into Formula 1 eventually? I know there's kind of roadblocks happening at the moment. Um, I think what, he's kind of resigned to the fact that he's over it. Because I mm. was listening to something he said this week and he was kind of, from what it seemed, he was like exhausted by mm. how bureaucratic um, it was bureaucratic it was but also everybody was kind of saying yeah come in come in like that's that's good for the sport and then once he did come in or make mm. an effort to do so it was like oh we don't want him there we don't want to split up our prize money why and would you want to conversation as well sorry just to finish i think we spoke out before but i think he's kind of resigned to that fact and now they're working with alpine to figure something out for um world endurance championship and to run an Alpine in, in IMSA. Why would you want to put so much effort going to a sport that doesn't want you? Seems yeah, like seems set on showing you that they don't want you. Like it's not it's not like joining a sport where the budget is fifty million or less. You know, you are talking about a two hundred million dollar sort of um yearly budget that's a lot of lot of money to raise um and then i I feel like the short-sightedness of the f1 teams to sort of make that the big team yeah like because let's be honest the decisions coming from mercedes ferrari and red bull and all the feeders underneath that are just following the echoing echo chambers yeah like it goes but it goes against all the moves that f1 as a corporation not as like the teams, but as the corporations seem as to liberty. be trying to move into, like it goes against it all. And Andretti, like it or not, is probably one of the biggest independent names in motorsport. Like, yeah, we know Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull now, and Red Bull's it's somewhat independent. But in terms of a name and an organisation that has a heritage in, in all motorsports, I think... Mm-hmm. Other than maybe Penske. Well, well I was, I was, something McLaren. funny. Right? If you if you knew about if you know about Formula One, if so, if you know about motorsport, you could argue that Penske is a bigger name. But for the average consumer of Formula One, who has no understanding of any other sport apart from Formula One, if they heard Penske or they heard Andretti, I'm pretty sure that a larger majority of that group would actually recognize the Andretti name before they did the Penske name. 100% they just, would. That's just based on, like... Mario. Yeah, exactly. But also just based on the name living through pop... Through three culture. generations of drivers. Exactly. Mm. I mean, so it's just, it's so just it's more sort of recognizable. Like a, it's like the name Brabham. Like, when you hear it, your ears prick up because, you know, it's got a heritage in the sport. All right, anyway, before we finish... finish on that question, Joe. Before we finish, what do you yeah. think of this? Because I think this is this is cool. I think it's a, a cool sort of um, bit of news, totally out of left field. So this is about NASCAR. Did you hear that NASCAR are running a street circuit race yeah, in Chicago that. next yeah. year? With IndyCar? Or no, is with it with Indi- it's No, with it's else. by themselves, isn't it? No, I think it might be with, with It's IMSA. just a loop. 
No, they're racing with someone else. It's a street loop. No. Yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much like a. So they're Lausch's, turning left on the street. It's a Lausch's ring, but for NASCARs. I thought they're racing it with someone else, man. No, I don't. They're not. Regardless, I don't. I don't, I don't think bizarre. it's a full loop. I think there's a few corners in there, but it's it's a very simple track on the streets. And I thought yeah. for a sport like NASCAR, yeah. that really is dying a quick, not a quick because it's massive, but it's definitely yeah. losing a lot of its grip on the motorsport scene. Yeah, well, they're chucking a Ferrari. Ch- huh? They're chucking a F1. They're meeting the people where they're at. Yeah, I feel like that is actually a, a, a sort of showcase that would work on the streets on a simple yeah, track. I agree. I agree. Like, but they're taking Formula One to the people. Like I said, they're taking NASCAR to the people to kind of increase the supporter base. Because like when you think about it, Chicago has got one of the greatest speedways in America, um, Chicago, and that is by no means, you know. And they've got Road Atlanta and they've got Road America that they also race at. In Chicago, it's in Wisconsin, man. Um, oh, sorry. Regardless, yeah, 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 yeah. very interesting. I'd be, I'd be interested to see what, you know, if I was a team though, and I was wanted to kind of have a half chance at winning the race, I'd be signing Marcus Ambrose out of retirement for the street racing, giving him six weeks to prepare. And then um, I don't think he's, he can do. I don't think he'd be that good anymore. These young guys he, have been driving on a lot of street circuits these days. Interesting. I just I just thought we'll it was it a, there. I thought it was an interesting sort of out of left field um, bit of you know outside the box thinking by a sport that needs to think out, outside the box to retain its fans. Mm. And I thought you know like it's dying a slow death right now. Yeah, at the moment it is. Did you hear that, Harry? What did you think about that? Or you just don't I, really care? I only just heard it now. Um, okay, yeah, elite, right. Joseph. Keep it. Oh, NASCAR's a fucking billboard on wheels. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is it, is it dying in yeah. the US? Because it's massive it's still, in like Texas. It's still no, it's, it's huge. By, it's by like as a comparison to IndyCar, but it's definitely lost a lot. Like it's, it's, it's huge because it's got such a big older audience. But I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like. Um, it's got no new audience. Creating new fans, exactly. It, yeah. needs, it, it needs its own drive to survive. It does. You know what? Actually, really? if you, if you have if you want to watch a show that's interesting, partly anyway, it's the Bubba Wallace show on Netflix called Race. The parts about NASCAR Pretty good are very it. interesting. Mm-hmm. The problem is you've got to at least watch half of it about BLM as well. Which that's is, what. That's what. Yeah. Yeah, well, which kind of like obviously there's some of it like it's it's to some point it's interesting, but then also it's kind of mm. it's almost like thrown in the audience's face a bit as well, and that kind of might rub people the wrong way as a little went, bit as well. I went deep diving two weeks ago about why NASCAR was dying so quickly, and the general consensus is is that number one the tickets are cr- uh, ridiculously priced. And number two, most of the tracks are the big super speedways that they built in the 80s. And there's hardly any little little oval tracks. And the two little oval mm-hmm. tracks they race at are all in the same state. So they're not mm-hmm. spread over the over the anyway, I think we're going I'm going off topic now. But um, well, yeah, I thought I thought that was a cool bit of inspirational thinking that might sort of, you know, change or grow the fans of a sport well, in the motorsport sphere. 
the good thing about this conversation is that we will have a very similar conversation next week because next week we have got Formula One on Sunday night from Hungara Ring. Sunday, the 31st of December, race starts at 11 p.m. for those July. people in Australia. Sorry, July. And then on <laughs> Monday morning, American July the 30th, um, we have the Gallagher Grand Prix at um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, although it is the um, infield circuit. Okay, so you've got. Did they not do an infield circuit before the Grom? They've got another one. So we've got more IndyCar, we've got more Formula One, and I'm pretty sure we've got the MotoGP correspondent back with us next week as well. I think he's only back when MotoGP starts, he was telling me today. Oh, cool. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Those people listening, again, super grateful for staying on board please keep the shares keep the likes keep the spreading the word coming uh we really appreciate it and we will talk to you again uh in a week's time please if you have any questions that you would like us to answer on the pod get in touch on our socials but until next week thanks guys have a great night thanks mate champion